F the Cowboys, F all the rest of the East, but, you know, go Birds. Hello and welcome to another episode of Next Man Up. And we are 3-0, baby. We are 3-0 after the Eagles swept away the Washington Commanders 24-8. Another win for the season, boys. Mick, Mickadopulous, as you're called. Is that a little nod to me being in Crete at the moment? Reporting here live from Crete. How are you, sir? How are you doing? I'm good, mate. Have you... How much ozo have you drank before this podcast? I think that's what the listeners need to know. I'm not going to lie. The last, we got on from, we got on Friday night and we haven't been to bed before half three in the morning any night so far. We've met a, a couple from Sunderland. Um, <laughs> we met a couple from, um, from Scotland and a, a couple from the UK. And it's the perfect mix of like late at night, you know, the last one's in the pub. And you're ordering like those three drinks each to take to the bedroom before you go away uh, <laughs> to, to, to drink on the balcony. It's been it's been good fun. It's been good fun to chill out. I have to say we haven't done much of the pool actually to be getting, getting out of bed so late in the morning. Uh, but it's been really, really nice over here so far. And, and to answer your question, a little bit of ouzo. Not a lot of ouzo because, uh, you know, liver can only take so much. It's horrible <laughs> stuff. Ugh. It is. It is. Phil, how are you, sir? You had a bit of a day today with the, with the dogs and the baby and all sorts going on. A bit of a madhouse, was it? Yeah. Um, and I missed it all. Um, I seem to have this this lucky knack of uh, missing the bumplosions at the moment. I sort of get the messages and all it is is just several poo emojis and I kind of, I feel bad, but also feel very lucky and fortunate that it will all be sorted out and cleaned up by the time I get home. But uh, also the dog's not feeling very well either, so it's just absolute carnage. And uh, um, yeah, so none of that for me, but yeah, it's been a bit of a shit day, so to speak. <laughs> very well, uh, boom, boom. <laughs> Very well, Paul. I'm sure, I'm sure you have to, I'm sure Lottie's got some points in the bag there having to deal with all that before you come home and uh Make sure, uh, make sure you eat those points back up over the course of the week. Um, I've no doubt about that, knowing Lottie. Shout out to Lottie. <laughs> yeah, um, she's definitely going to um, rub it in or make me remember exactly how many times I've had to clean up a dirty nappy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Well, it wasn't the only shit we've got to talk about today because the Washington Commanders and Carson Wentz in particular were absolutely dreadful. And we're going to get into that in a moment. Just so you guys know, the agenda for today, fairly normal now during the regular season. It's just going to be one podcast because it's uh, already a quarter to 11 here in Crete with the time difference. And we're just going to try and pack it all into one. Last time we did two podcasts last week, it was three hours long. And I'm not sure you want to be listening to me at two o'clock in the morning after I drink some more of these Mexican mules. Uh, there probably won't be anything coherent by, the, by that time if we did do that method of approach. So I have one podcast today. We're going to cover the aftermath of Washington. So, of course, that will be... I want to hear like a cheer, Mick, next time. Like there's someone shouts the good, the bad, and the sexy, like from different parts of the crowd. I don't know, maybe we can get some kind of <laughs> musical interlude going on. But the good, the bad, and the damn right sexy. We're going to look at that from the Washington game. We're going to look around the East, which will be a shorter look around the East this year, because of course we'll be going through the Washington Eagles game. And then the other game was another divisional game in which the Giants and the Cowboys 
fronted up against each other last night. And as I say that, my lovely fiance Katie Lamb, is coming back into the room with a couple more uh, Mexican mules to get me through the rest of this podcast. So shout out to Lottie, shout out to Katie, and why not shout out to Hazel as well, Mick, for putting up for you while we're at it. Um, <laughs> there you go. Um, and then we will obviously preview the big, important, very much talked about game already this weekend, coming coming Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Doug Peterson is back in town. Um, and there's a lot to talk about because they're playing some football at the moment. Doug has turned some things around for, for the Jaguars. So, uh, yeah, listen, ex- excited for this podcast. Looking forward to getting into it, you boys. Uh, we've got we got Phil. Phil. Phil, where are you from? Just so I don't say the, the wrong place again, where are you recorded from today? Oh, apparently you were trying to wind me up about this, but I generally do not believe that at all. I know that you just just find it easier to say Bristol. It's not that far away, but it's like... <laughs> It's like saying to someone from Manchester that you're from Liverpool. It's it's about thirty miles away, so it's it's it's, it's far enough. And yeah, you know, it's like no, I don't know. It's like saying mix from Edinburgh. Yeah, to be fair, that is true. But I want to make it simpler and say, um, you know, normally we say an Irishman, Englishman, a Scotsman on this podcast. You know, I'll be a Christian today. I'll be a Christian today. A Christian, a Scotsman, and, a, and an Englishman on this podcast. And listen, let's get into it. Uh, massive win for the Eagles against Washington. We talked about it on the podcast last week. I think every single one of us had us the Eagles winning in our predictions by quite a substantial margin. So the, the scoreline isn't a shock, but I suppose with the, the talk about the Eagles, with the hype about the Eagles leading into this game, Carson Wentz have had a couple of good weeks for Washington, throwing up some big touchdown numbers, some big passing yards numbers. I think it's safe to say that while we were confident, there's always that bit of, skepticism um oh wait whatever goes wrong you know and and those nerves Mick I remember you you pop something in the in the whatsapp chat you know an hour or two before it's saying to feel those nerves uh building already um but just the initial reaction before we get into the good to the Washington game uh Mick and yeah how quickly did those nerves uh, leave you yeah well <laughs> You pointed it out correctly. The divisional games are never easy, and it, it doesn't matter about form. Who's playing some good football? Who's who's not quite playing some good football? It just casts your mind back to last season, where um, we were defeated off the Giants in an absolute terrible, terrible game. Jalen had probably the worst game of his career in that one. Um, so divisional games always throw up um, something a bit crazy sometimes, but. Thankfully, coming off the short week as well of Monday Night Football against the Giants, we had less time to prepare. He said we're facing Carson. There was a lot of storylines going on, but um, a bit concerned after the, the first quarter, not a lot going on. Uh, but obviously, my nerves settled after that second quarter. We absolutely thrashed them. So um, that's that's always good. It's good to, to get the dub uh, over one of your division rivals this early in the season. And they do it in that manner as well. Yeah, I love that. And Phil, that calm your calm your nerves a bit as well. How did you feel once the game had settled? L- looking forward to the season, did, were you worried it was going to be a, a slip up on one of these games? But he was a favourite to doing well or overhyped. We'll talk about what the media is saying about them later. But did it make make you feel more comfortable and confident in the organisation? That because obviously week one wasn't the, the greatest display of. Um, what we wanted to see, I suppose, from all facets of the Eagles. Week two was a big improvement, and on week three, they, kind of, they seem to kind of solidify that. 
it was just yeah the, the nerves for me came from the fact that it that there was a strong potential for a, a, the narrative to, to take over the game itself so you go into the game it's clearly the better team but it's Wentz it's your former quarterback is he actually doing better now with the commanders are they going to come in is it going to you know is Hurts going to have a bad day and then oh, just imagine if it had gone the other way like it, how how much the media would actually be throwing a double six right now going tripping over itself to sort of like cause chaos and that um but i think i said to you guys uh yesterday it's it was a bit it's a bit like when you sort of you break up with an ex and uh yeah and then you go through that sort of self-evaluation you think was it us was were we the problem were we the problem and then a few years down the line you bump back into them and then you realize that uh the next two guys after you also thought she was a complete another bitch and you found out that you were vindicated in the decision <laughs> and um all was well in the universe so we're, we're sat here now discussing an absolute obliteration of him and it couldn't have gone much better but like you said it, it's once the game settled down because obviously the defense absolutely came out firing out of the blocks of that the third third player i think it was with the first sack of the game on 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 went but it took a while for the offense to sort of really sort of get into stride and then whilst we were absolutely blittering them I thought it, it might not last forever and then, and if the team sort of you know if the defense suddenly stops being able to make all these 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 plays on defense and then they get a, they get a touchdown they suddenly take the lead and they're actually up seven to three because we've just struggled to sort of punch it in but once the once the touch once the Goddard touchdown came in and we were turning out we that sort of when it settled down for me nerves wise and I just started enjoying the game and I also think I said I started enjoying the defensive snaps more than the offensive snaps mm, and that's yeah. the, that's a first for me I think normally you kind of own defense is a necessary evil to get your offense back on the field to score more points to win the game but actually I couldn't wait for the defense to be back on because I just wanted to see how many sacks we'd actually get to in the end. I think that also shows a lot of maturity about your knowledge of the NFL and the game and the Eagles as well because I felt that the longer I've watched the NFL the more appreciation I've had the more knowledge I've had about the defensive side of the ball when you first come into the sport, especially when you haven't grown up playing or watching it in the US like people do in school, then, you know, you're attracted to the big plays. You're attracted to the quarterbacks, the splashes, the wide receiver, huge catches, the, the running back, you know, hurdling a player down the middle of the field and going in for a touchdown. Um, and, and, and also probably twofold that and the fact that the Eagles defense haven't really been good for a while now. Um, not nowhere near the level they're playing at the moment because of holes, because of injuries, and and I think just general all round all round play. And, and and Jonathan Gannon last year was a big part of that, as we've mentioned a number of times in this podcast. And I'm surprised you. Well, maybe you will. Maybe I won't say them. Maybe there's a phrase that's going to come up on the podcast that um, you're going to watch it later on, Phil. So we don't say I'll pick you back up on it later on uh, this afternoon. I'm going to switch it around a bit today. Rather than starting with the good, we're going to go with the bad first and look at what things you think could improve on in the coming weeks, the coming months, what you think didn't go well. And um, yeah, so, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start with the elephant in the room here. Um, and that's the points situation. It was, it was, it actually be interesting because I'm, because me and you Phil had a disagreement about this after the game. Uh, not a disagreement, but just a differing, differing sense of views on, on this. Oh, let me go and get my popcorn. Can I go and get my popcorn? And that is, it's worrying that the Eagles uh, are scoring in clumps, for starters, uh, and also they're scoring 
heavily in the first half and not potentially putting teams away to bed in the second half, falling away, maybe not playing with the, the same intensity. I don't want to take any words out of your mouth, though. But just, if you could just talk to me about your, your opinion on this and, and, and you know, your worries on this as we move forward into the season. It's, yeah, it's not so much. I'm, I'm not that, that worried. I think it probably came across as like ungrateful or, or overcritical, but I think that's just symptomatic of the situation the team is in after three games is that we're, look, we're, still, we're always looking for improvement and, and the areas where we're, we're, we've got holes. So we're, look, we're looking, you know, there's people talking about trading or, or picking up a punter and, a, and so on and so forth in the, in the offseason because that's the only areas left to look for, for faults and to improve. And you'd continue to want to improve. I don't, I'm not necessarily worried. They've been convincing games, the Washington game and the Vikings game. It just, when you look at the fact that they haven't scored in the second half pretty much at all, for the, well, for the last two games they haven't. I mean, and I, I can't, off the top of my head, I can't remember how many points we scored against the Lions towards the end, but I think it's probably about 10 or so. Um, it's, it just strikes me as like, when you see a true dominant team, so when you look at teams like Manchester City in the Premier League at the moment, their just ability to not put the, take the foot off the gas and just see a game out and be absolutely convincing, probably like Celtic in, in the SPL, you sort of, you don't very often see Celtic just sort of ease into a 2-0 win. It's usually either a hard fought, you know, goal or two lead, or they absolutely obliterate a team. And it's sort of that ability it doesn't have to happen every week. Um, but in a game like the Vikings was a proper statement game. If you if you smash the commanders 40 points to, to eight, people will still kind of go, Yeah, but it's the commanders. But when you when you've had an opportunity like with the Vikings to that was a real nervous game because after their obliteration of, of the Packers, we were sort of, we, we should have scored more. We could have scored more. I don't know why we didn't. And I don't see if there's a reason why, like as in the play calling just got softer and they were like, we, we're comfortable where we are. It's like, you can never be comfortable in the NFL. If you're, if you've got the momentum, if you've got the foot on the, on the, on the neck of the snake that you're trying to sort of kill, it's like, you, you don't, you don't stop and go, oh, I'll, I'll let out of a breather. You just go, right, you know, I'm seeing it to the end. So just to back up your point there a bit, um, the Eagles have not scored a single point in the fourth quarter of any of the first three games. So zero, yeah. zero, zero points in those. And also, interestingly, they've scored 48, 55, 65 of their points have been in the second quarter. Yeah, and it, it, it's not like it, they need to, but it's like what, hap- can, what concerns me is that if we play a team that, does get back into the game. So we we had the Vikings pretty much under control. We had the Commanders pretty much under control. What we happens scored fourteen. We... we scored fourteen against the Lions in the, in the second quarter. In the second half, sorry. But it's it's like what happens when we play a team that that finds that that is that flexible team. It has got that well coached team that kind of go right. Yeah, well, you know, we're we're back in the game now. And then suddenly it's it's fourteen or it's twenty one all. It's um. Are the Eagles are that, just go back to what they what got them in the lead in the first place? Are they that good already after three games that they need the pressure to kickstart them at times? Like if you think about this this game just gone by, uh, we scored uh, no points in the first quarter, no points in the third, no points in the fourth. We got all twenty four of our points were in the second quarter. Now we were dominating them on defense from the start, but then you don't score a point in the quarter. There's a bit of pressure on the on on the team and the quarterback and the play callers. They scored 24 points. It's like, you know, the way our defense is playing right now, we got this. We don't need to dial up any plays or special plays. You look at the Lions game when they were pegged back 
those 14 points in the fourth quarter. Hurts came up clutch in the important moment. Um, and in, 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 in the Vikings game as well. The, the, yes, we didn't score many points in the uh, second half, but there was less, there was, the pressure wasn't there too. And I, I'm not saying that's not complacent. And I'm not saying I don't agree with you that when there are better teams, they might punish you and, and you might not be able to come back from it. You might not be able to rise from the pressure. But there, there might be something to that, that the, because the pressure isn't there, there's less of an emphasis on going for the big plays. And we'll get into later. The Eagles are leading the league. And Hertz is leading the league on big splash plays. Yeah, but I think I think fundamentally for me, it's just what is actually happening? And I don't know the answer to that. You know, is it is it us? Is it just the just the way things have gone? But it just it's just it's nagging. And I and an ESP sort of mentioned on the on Go Birds pod is it's like where the team is now, as I said at the start, it's it's a nice problem to have when you're picking up little things like this. Like we're not picking up flags, we're not picking up poor throwing, we're not picking up poor coaching, we're not picking up anything like that we that we have in the past. We're just picking up the fact that they haven't scored enough points. And when you put it into context, you're like, that's absolutely ridiculous. Don't be so ungrateful. But I think it's, yeah. if you're going to be what we hope we are, which is a Super Bowl contending team, we want, I want to, I want to see that team go out there and really blow everyone away. And I think they're on the cusp of doing that. And I need to do that, whether that happens against the Jaguars or, or someone else further down the line. I think they need to do a game where a, they score more than one of the quarters, and and B, score a lot of points and, and really go go for it. So here's where I stand on this, Mick. If you don't mind me just jumping in, of course. Um, I agree. I I actually really love the fact that you're you want every corner, every orifice of perfection to be right. You want everything covered. You don't want them to stop. You don't want them to get complacent. You want them to, if they're doing well in every area, focus on these little areas that they aren't very good at. And I really like that. I think if you were a coach, that would be a really good trait to have as well in the NFL, you know, striving for that perfection. Sorry where to interrupt, I, but I think that's where, that's the sort of thing that hurts is like as well. You see, you hear that a I lot agree. about him. In the, in the after game, in the, in the post-game locker room speeches, like and literally every time he's turned around and said, all right, yeah, we did well, but. We're not playing to the level we can play. We can improve on this. We can improve on that. We left stuff on the field. We did this, this, with that. So, yeah, I completely agree. What I will say is, if I take a step back a second and I look at the fact that we're 3-0 and I look at the fact that a lot of... I mean, just before the season, there were, there were, there were B-riders coming around to the fact that the Eagles could be good this year and after the the draft and after the off-season acquisitions, there were more people thinking it. But in reality, when we left the last game of the season last year against the Bucks, like, you know, it was a big, big come down after what we saw from, from Jen and the team and their ability to play up against them. But we're 3-0. and We're 3-0 against teams that have beaten teams. So we're not 3-0 against teams who haven't won a game yet. Um, and remember after the first Viking, after the first game against um, the Lions, sorry, we were really worried that we hadn't made these big jumps on the defensive line of the ball. We hadn't been able to start stopping the run, um, you know, th- through the middle. And was there really that much of a change? And have we put too too many too much emphasis on the offseason acquisitions? Then you look at the game against the Vikings, and and we were also worried about Demonte Smith not being involved and might be being one dimensional. Nearly every facet of that game, bar maybe the defensive line, so much in the Vikings game improved. 
fast forward to this game against the Commanders and the one area where we needed to improve on the defensive line, they got nine sacks. We're going to get into that in a minute. Where I sit at the moment is this Eagles team are three games in, the three and oh, they haven't lost a game and they are constantly improving week by week in the areas they're not, they're not good at. So I'm not worried that they won't um, look at this and they won't improve in scoring in, in different areas and, and times in the game. Um, and I think it will just naturally happen. And also, at the end of the day, the win's the win. We make up a cropper to it, but it doesn't matter if you score 40 points in the first and none for the rest of the game. If you hold them out and you've won, fair enough. And I think they'll dial up the pressures up and down depending on the game time decisions. So, yeah, I'm kind of... I can see where you're coming from, and I love the fact that you want to focus in on that, and I'm not saying you're wrong. I just, I'm not worried about it, I suppose, is where I'm coming from. Mick, what about yourself? Oh, do I get to be the fence this week? This is yeah, exciting. yeah, you might be. This is exciting. <laughs> 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 uh, straddle that thing. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of caught in between where I can see both of your points where, you know, if, if we have closed out a game at half time and we're up like three scores on on another team, then yeah, why not play the, the sort of soft shell coverage and allow them to play underneath and not give up the big chunk plays, just round out the clock. And like I can see it from the coaching standpoint, but the flip side, and this is what I was thinking about today, is sort of what Phil was saying, is like put the game to the sword, end it completely in the third quarter, and then you can do what the Eagles have been preaching the whole offseason, start resting players, start resting the starters, and promote health, as we've been doing, and get some of the young talent in and get them some meaningful snaps against the, 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 the first team of the opposition. So we're talking about Cam Jurgens, guy we take in the second round of the game. Kelsey is getting getting on a bit. He's still playing to like a high, high, high level, but he needs the experience on the field. He needs to see what Kelsey's seeing. Um, and I would love it if we could get him into the game, get him some snaps. Same with uh, Nicobe Dean, play him some more. I think Jordan Davis had had some more meaningful snaps. Grant Calcaterra actually had a couple of snaps in this game as well. So um, get these guys on the field, put the game to bed, get these guys in. And then mm-hmm. when we do need to call on them, because it's a long season, we've got 17 games for the course of the season, plus playoffs potentially, hopefully. We're going to need them. Knock on wood. Um, let's get these guys snaps in before we absolutely need to rely on them because an injuries came. And and that's 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 where I get to on it. Like put the game away, get get the young guys in, get get some game experience for them. I, I feel like I think it's a really good point. Um I feel like I feel like at the moment they're keeping their, their ones in, not bringing some of the new guys in as much, but they're just not forcing it they're not putting much pressure on that particular play because of the comfort blanket they have between the scores and uh, you might you might touch on something really really important there maybe they do need to keep them in keep their foot on the pedal as as Philly was saying as well and um, then then get a chance to rest those guys and that's a that's a good point a uh, couple other points here on the bad section um, obviously not a lot to talk about given where we were and where we are I should say um special things Second time we meant to listen to podcasts, Phil. Uh, Devontae uh, had his first career return. Kobe muffed a point. I felt so sorry and 
Like, because you, you you could see how dejected he was when that ball he dropped got on the absolutely floor. Absolutely pummeled all game. It was all game. Quite heartbreaking to see. But he, to be fair, if he's not on the injury report, if he's there and he's back again next week, then you got to give him credit for being that guy. But yeah, special teams, it's just uh, still absolutely terrible. Well, interesting. He can't be called up um, more than three weeks in a row from the practice squad. So, so they have to bring him up properly, don't they? Exactly. So if the Eagles do bring Kobe up, then they're going to have to bring him on to the 53-man squad. What I'm seeing around the league from beat reporters is they'd like to see that happen. Personally, I wouldn't mind seeing one or the other uh, wide receivers on the practice squad giving a go. Um, I think I think if he'd had a better game against Washington, this wouldn't really be a war- much of a conversation. He'd be like, yeah, fine, happy with that. Um, he just he chose the worst time to have his worst game. And it wasn't even a bad game. Like it was just that one play, and you could just see. I think that's the first time he's dropped the ball, right? In the, in these three weeks, returning the ball, I, I don't remember him dropping it any other time. And look, he hasn't been splashing for 20, 30, 40 yards on these returns, but he's been getting 10, 15. He's been catching the ball. The ball security's been there. He is five for eight, which is another reason why he was getting absolutely smashed, did you say, on some of these returns. Um, we've but, said it, we've said it before that it's, it's, it can't all be laid at hit the, the, the returner's doorstep because again, getting absolutely obliterated, that one where he muffed it. Yeah, obviously. When he muffs it, he gives him gives Washington plenty of time to to crowd around him. But even then, it was just like there was about five or six of them around him, maybe one or two Eagles players. It's like, come on, guys. We're going to be calling the uh, uh, British and Irish Eagles special teams podcast soon. For this yeah, airtime, we are a bit special. <laughs> we are a bit special. <laughs> um, uh, we we got a couple of things on there. Uh, Mick uh, Davis drilling the long snapper for Washington. But a Washington field goal was um, maybe a little bit over. Uh, he's a bit overjuiced there <laughs> on that play. And um, still no real punt kick return yardage. Uh, you know, and he's, I said he's had a few. I, I'd like to see the hurdler giving a go. Devin I'd like Allen. I'd like to see Devin Allen giving a go. I'd like to see him see what he can do because Kobe's looked good. And I was actually on um, Reddit today with Dave Spadaro. Um, he was doing a question and answer on, on Reddit earlier on. Um, I it wasn't a question that I posed, but another another question that was posed was, you know, w- what do you think will happen with Kobe? Will he be? And and Dave said he's seen some explosiveness in training, and he's seen it a couple of times on a couple of plays, and he'd like to see Kobe on the fifty three. Um, that was that was his opinion personally. I don't think he's done enough to be picked up by another team. I could be wrong, but I don't think he's been he's done enough to be picked up by another team on waivers. And I'd like to see them. I mean, there's a reason we signed this guy, right? There's a reason why he's still on the practice squad. And that's because we want to see what he can do. And I just have a feeling like if you have someone like Devin Allen on your team, he could take it to the house twice a year. And that might be worth it alone. Um, if he, if, as long as he can secure the ball, obviously. Yeah. It's like, but, what uh, can you do if you don't get the blockers, though? That's pretty much what we said last week. Is It could be anybody returning. It could be that... The jet specialist, I can't remember his name, but he's, he, he seems to get the, the yardage every single time. Um, I watch Red Zone. It's Berrios. The the is it Berrios? Berrios, yeah. Um, it could be him in, our back, in, in the backfield waiting for the, the, the punt return and he would get absolutely turned into a paste at the 10-yard at the line, um, the way our special teams are at blocking just now. So, um, Michael Clay... Needs to figure it out. 
I just I think I said it in the last podcast. I just don't think it's an area of focus for them. Um, I think there's if there's one area that's going to be lacking, and can you pave over the cracks? And can you can you can you deal with having a bad special teams? Disregarding the kicker and the punter, the punter which we've all said, excuse me, needs to be addressed. Yeah, I mean it's not a terrible problem to have, is it? But nah, this this feels like a, a bit of a theme on the podcast so far, like. We're talking about not scoring enough points in the second half. We're talking about our special <laughs> team. Our special team's not really being up to sack. And then the third, the third thing we're going to talk about, and it's not a bad for us, and that's... Um, can we get a, a death knell? Like, dong. Bring Arsenal out your in. dead. <laughs> Bring out <laughs> your dead. <laughs> I'm not dead um, yet. No, but you got sacked nine times, mate. Yeah, I know. Carson wins, man. He used to be called a ginger ninja on many a podcast and many a media outlet around Philadelphia and on this podcast for, oh, not that long, to be fair, because he wasn't too far away from being in the bin from when we started. Um, a couple of months, really, two and a half, three months before. Maybe we would have definitely in Carson Wentz's coffin. Um, I've, got no, I've got a note here written down from Phil, and <laughs> I'm just going to read it out. How fucking shit was Carson Wentz? <laughs> and... I, and, cool. and <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, I'm just going to read these off. Three out of 10 for 24 yards in the first half. Three out of 10 for 24 yards in the first half. Just going to repeat that to let it sink in. He was sacked six times in the first half. He was sacked three in the second. His passer rating was 39.6. He did manage to get that up to 71. Um, but then again, he did get sacked three more times. He was 25 of 43, so he was over 50%. Um, but no touchdowns. But it wasn't just that, was it, Phil? It was his demeanor. It was his expressions, his shrugs. I remember him going over, and I know they had a backup center, like Lambasson, the center on the sideline after one of the first sacks of the game. And it's, I'm a little, I know you guys aren't, there's a small part of me that is a little, a tiny bit sad of how far he's fallen. And then I realise what a dickhead he is. And then I, I don't feel that anymore. But it's just, just you know, that, that, in, that instant kind of feeling of, oh, man, that's, that's really, really bad. That's and then the hundred and whatever million kind of blows out the morning. I don't, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I said for me it was more pity. You know, when it's like that stop, he's already dead. It's like... This is just mm. hard now. Just like pummeling a dead corpse at this point. Um, it's, but yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. When you kind of go, well, you know, he forced his way out. He couldn't handle Hurts coming in. And the more that's coming out now, like two years ago, all the stories that were coming out were like, oh, Wentz hasn't got the locker room. Wentz hasn't got this. People don't like this bit. Wentz has upset these wide receivers. He's got, oh, Sean Jeffrey prefers Nick Foles, blah, 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 so on and so forth. <laughs> But now what's coming out is Hertz was just in the background, took his medicine, sat in there, didn't say a thing, didn't rise to it, didn't say anything, didn't kick off, didn't throw his toys out of the pram, waited. And this was just the perfect retribution for that, for those moments is that now Hertz was out there and Wentz had to sit on the sidelines while Hertz was just throwing dime after dime, spreading the ball around. And the team just looks a million miles away from where the last time Carson Wentz was in charge of that offensive uh, side of the ball um, take your medicine Carson this is pretty much probably the final now in your coffin you were supposed to you know Washington in the preseason we're all saying this, this is the best Carson Wentz has looked in a while that's not really saying an awful lot I don't know what his sack total is for the season 
so far after three games, but that'll be interesting stuff for someone to dig out while I'm rambling it was, on. So it was, I can't remember the exact figure, but I called it in the last podcast. Uh, and it was, it was, he was, he was on, he was on route. I'm trying to remember now. He was, he was, he was projected to get 51 sacks <laughs> over the season before he played against the Eagles, Jeez. which means it must have been around, it was three, he was averaging three sacks per game. He's now at nine quick matches, that's 15. So, yeah. Um, it's not, it's he, not looking good for him, is it? No. So, he's, he's, had, he's had 15 sacks in three games. Now, extrapolate that over the season. Quick match, that's 85 sacks. He had 50 for us on the season when the offensive line wasn't there. Yeah. It's... It's about that quick match, by the way. Well, that's very good. Very good. Very good for, for drinking all those um, rum and... Was it <laughs> rum and coke or something? Uh, they're... Uh, they're uh, Mexican mules, so I believe it is uh, rum or vodka, ginger, and lime with a lot of ice. Oh, is the, is the ginger uh, for Carson Wentz? That's exact. That's, <laughs> I, that was my tribute. Yeah, that was my tribute for him today. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope all the Wentz shaggers are happy um, after watching <laughs> that game because there's still elements in the Eagle support who are absolutely gutted that we gave up Wentz. Uh, or gave up on the guy when it was it was the other way about. Let's face it. Um, and Hurts has stepped in. They've never given Hurts the time of day. Um, Do all know. those people own an assault rifle and go and shoot deer every Sunday? <laughs> possibly, possibly. Well, but you know a- these weirdos that just sort of bought coats, um, jerseys with Wentz on it and stuff like that. It's like, oh, that's, a, that's far too far, you know. And then he joins the Commanders. And he, has an absolute nightmare. He's, he's the Wentz that we've always known. And it's funny looking at the Washington tweets uh, of Washington fans just saying the same things that we said in 2020, the same things we said in 2019. Um, and trying to, to convince first, themselves yeah. that they've got a player when they don't. It's over. I'm sorry, Carson, Carson's going to be out of the league very soon. <laughs> Carson Two now things. is the end. Sorry, the Carson is now the NFL, the NFL version of the the stages of grief isn't it every time he goes to a team you just watch the stages of grief just transcend over the team and it's almost just like the fact that you know that um that meme that comes out where it's that guy in the news he's like first time it's like i've seen that so many times across the- <laughs> first time trying to defend customers yeah yeah welcome to the club we were there that's so once. good that's so good that's so good i laughed so much i forgot what my bloody point was now um what Sorry, was man. it um, oh no it was a good one as well <laughs> oh yeah. Um. So so, what, what career paths do we think Wentz is going to take down now? Is he either going to be a pasture priest or a trophy hunter? I mean, or 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 a farmer maybe with his love for tractors. I mean, he's with one hundred fifty million dollars, he can do whatever the fuck he wants now, and that's the problem. Is that despite all this, like us thinking he's sat there crying, he. I think he even saw a picture today with it was a picture of Carson Wentz's face over like smiling. What, no, but watermarked over a um, uh, Vietnam War scene. <laughs> like, yeah. he's having, like, PTSD because of it. He is, he's going home at the end of the day. He's got his two beautiful, beautiful kids, his wife, his millions of dollars. Uh, if he doesn't play another snap in the NFL, I'm sure the only thing that would bother him is just a small amount of regret, crying into his his <laughs> gunpowder for his ammunition. I don't know. <laughs> and, you know, you know, we, we, we are being harsh here about Carson and, and, and the reason is the way he's conducted himself because he did help us on that Super Bowl run. He was the MVP in 2017. There was no denying that. He was the number one candidate by quite a way. And, um, you know, the reality is his true character came out 
once he was properly challenged for the first time in his life. Phil, I know you've meant you've you've picked up on that point specifically a number of times on, on this podcast. And yeah, I, I I fear this is the last time we see Carson Wentz play against Philadelphia Eagles. Full stop. He was, I don't fear it. I don't fear it. Actually, let me be clear. I do not fear it. <laughs> well, I think I, I, I think you yeah. fear it from the perspective of you know you'd like to see him back at the link because that'll be that'll be the final nail in the coffin. But um, I did. I was quite close to me outside the box this week. I really. That, I think that's what. I think that's where fundamentally I was so upset with the fact they didn't put the foot down is because if they had, Wentz would have been benched, and that would have been so sweet. Oh, I don't know if he would have been benched. You reckon? If it had been 40 points, they would have. There wouldn't yeah. be any point keeping out after that. Hertz would have Hertz would have been sat down, chill out, man. You've done your job. Wentz. You All right. Go. Anyway, 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 we spent we spent ages on the bad here, mainly because of the Carson Wentz section. So thanks for that, Nick. Uh, let's talk about the good. And and the first guy I'm going to talk about, I think, is he is a guy that no matter what podcast we do, he's either going to be on the good side or he's going to be on the bad side, depending on how he plays. Because he, 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 he either is, and he mainly is, to be fair, when you look at the stats now over his career, incredible. And, but sometimes he's not very good. But he's, he's back in a good column again this week. Suppose. <laughs> he's the guy literally everyone is talking about around the league. People are talking more about Jalen Hurts than they're talking about Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert. I know he just had the injury. I'm not saying... He is a better quarterback than all of those guys. I'm saying right now, Jalen Hurts is the hottest quarterback in the league, and he's what everyone is talking about. He had 22 um, completions from 35, 340 yards again. I think I remember reading a stat earlier on today that he is only the he's there's only been five or six guys in history. I'm really trying to remember this now. There's only five or three guys in history who has had over 320 yards four times in the first 22 games of his career while also not throwing an interception in those games. Um, so some big stats there. I know you can make stats however you want. And, and I've got a few I'll, I'll, list, I'll list off in a minute. His uh, passer rating was 123.5. I believe he leads or is close to leading the league in passing yards at the moment. He did have a slow start, a uh, bit, like bit, bit like week one, but he got going after defense made a turnover. And, um, yeah, there's a couple of other things there, which I'll, I'll, I'll let you guys discuss as well. But this is Jalen Hurts, three touchdowns, zero interceptions, 123.5 passer rating. Any critic, nine carries and 20 yards and not much on the ground this week. Do you think there was almost a little bit of this? There was this talk about Wentz being a good passer and the seven touchdowns and, and throwing for loads of yards and, and Hurts. He's the, you know, week one, he did a bit of both. Week two, he did a bit of both, but more on the passing. Do you reckon there's a bit of a statement thrown down here by Sirianni and Hertz? Do you reckon that is in the back of his mind a little bit still to prove everyone wrong that he really is that that passer that everyone said he wasn't? And I mean nearly everyone said he wasn't. Phil? It does it does certainly feel like there's that kind of narrative there somewhere that they're really trying to not force it, maybe, but they are, they're trying to sort of go, we need to be throwing it more. Running should not be. We not shouldn't be a running team. We will as a backup, but we won't. That's not our primary function. Um, it, to me, it feels like such a long time since we've had such a consistent passer. This week, he's finally got the passing touchdowns to go with the yardage. Obviously, last week it was a lot of yardage, but only one. Uh, was it one or none? I think it was one passing touchdown last week. Um, it's 
just getting to the point where I hope that that's they're not going to do that to cut off the nose to spite the face and in a game where the passive game clearly isn't working that they're not frightened to go back to what they did last season which was sort of switch to running it down someone's throat so, so just to pick up on that point you're, you're dead right and um, just to clarify the point I just made so it was in his first 22 career starts he's had three games with 330 passing yards no quarterback in NFL history not the Eagles no quarterback in NFL history has had more in such games in his first 22 starts the only other quarterbacks to do it have the same are Justin Herbert Patrick Mahomes Jeff Garcia and Wade Wilson. Um, only McNabb has more in Eagles history, so not even in his first 22 starts. McNabb has 11. So um, for, for a running quarterback, these are uh, pretty impressive stats. Let me just read a couple more off. Hertz completed five, uh, and this is all courtesy of Ruben Frank, by the way. I'm not claiming these as my own stats. I've written an article for his early run today. Hertz completed five of at least 40 yards all last year. Um, so five all last year at 40 yards, which was ranked 22nd in the NFL. So count through the ball deep. Hertz has five uh, passes of more than 40 yards in his first three games this year. And um, he's joint leader with uh, his former Alabama teammate, Tua Tunga Vialoa. And um, yeah, so just there's many more stats here that Rube listed off. And if you get a chance to go and uh, read his article on, uh, on MBS Sports, then, then please do. It's you know what Rube's like when he came on our podcast, just the stat man, baby. He just reels them off left, right, and center. And um, Rube's got all the stats, man. Rube's got all the stats. He just rings them off so quickly and easily. And he talks to Dave Zangaro on his podcast, and he's like, "Oh, you know, this happened in like in 1972, and blah blah blah." And he rings off like six guys that you've never heard of in your life, and it's just become <laughs> so effortless to him. Just um, there, it's in his head. It's in his head. I know, I know, but um. Chris Sims, he must yeah. feel like a fud. <laughs> Imagine not having Jalen Hurts in his top 40 quarterbacks when he did it first. And then he revised it this year. He, he did make the top 40 this year, but still in the latter half. And look where Jalen Hurts is right now. I think um, Jalen crossing his arms on that field last week against the Vikings was just for Chris Sims alone. Um, and, he's proven all the... Sims. Chris Sims is is one of the better takes in the NFL. Like he 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 has got a lot of stuff right over the years. He's got this fucking wrong, as you're saying. Uh, well, he talks that much that he's bound to get something right. So that's true. Uh, um, I'm not <laughs> going to give him that much credit. <laughs> <laughs> Fair but, yeah, you know, but Hurts has done everything that we've needed him to do. I mean, I feel like this game against Washington, he put up really good numbers, like 340 passing yards, three passing touchdowns, that's like, Hurts wouldn't have done that last season, but in this game, he was better against the Vikings, and you're thinking, well, Hurts didn't have like, the spectacular game, but he, he did, you know, and it, it doesn't, it's not getting spoke about enough, but you say, like, he's, he's the talk of the league just now, look at the Eagles, we're number one ranked team in the power rankings um, by NFL.com. I know um, the Dolphins ESPN. have taken that on the ESPN um, and also the Athletic as well. But, you know, it's it's all looking good for us just now. And if Hurts keeps going from strength to strength, then it can only be a good thing for this franchise. And that's what he needs to do. He needs to prove that he is going to be the next franchise quarterback for this team. And he's, he's uh, going the right way about it so far. 100%. I, I can't agree more if you're making... 
Uh, Baldy did a piece on, on Twitter the other day uh, and basically saying that Jalen Hurts is actually the best deep ball thrower in the NFL right now for the first three weeks of the season because it wasn't just the completions he made to Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown and uh, Calcaterra down the left side, you know, throws down the middle and to the left again. But Quez Watkins was called on two PIs as well. Look, could have been, they could have been home run touchdown plays, like we saw last week for Quez. Just mention that one again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, there were, there, were, there were plays on the field that could have gone for, you know, we could be talking about Jalen Hurts going over 450 yards and five touchdowns here if, if those PIs weren't, weren't, weren't called. So just, just incredible. And before we get on to, because we're going to talk about Jalen so much more this, like this. And so I don't want to give him too much airtime, even though it's hard not to. But he keeps not a seven minute these, monologue. No, no seven minute monologue this week. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Phil, I want to bring you in here. Um, this was really tight to decide who was going to have the damn right sexy this week. And <clears throat> me and you agreed when Mick posed the question of what it would be. So we'll, we won't talk about that now. We'll go on to the, the runner-up. And, and that was a defensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles. Nine sacks. Just take me away, Phil. Like, how impressed were you with what you saw from the defensive line, what you saw from Jonathan Gannon, what you saw from the entire defense. It was it was an absolute masterclass. I did say in the preview, well, not in the preview, but obviously I think we mentioned it briefly, thinking to head to Washington. So we know, we know what Wentz is, what he does. You know, if the defense does what it's supposed to do, it will sack Wentz multiple times. And I joked and I in my predictions and I said, I want to go 10 sacks. And I joked and scaled it down to six. My God, it was nearly 10. I don't think I would ever have stopped, stopped running down the street shouting my own name, saying how amazing I am at predicting NFL stuff. Um, but it just, after the first one, it came in so early. I think everyone um, everyone knew from that moment, this is, this is going to go the way we want it to and the way we expect it to. He's going to get sacked a lot. This is how it starts. And um, if you haven't checked it out, the... Um, one of the latest Go Birds podcast uh, is a, it's like a players' lounge, and they were it was ESP and Ike Reese speaking to um, Hassan Reddick, and one of the questions posed to him was, "At what point did you know it was going to be one of those days?" And he went the first sack. He said it happened so early, um, you just knew we were on for a day, and it was just a question of how many we could get. And I was just like, "That's." That's good to know because I thought he might have been modest and going, oh, maybe after the third or fourth, we realised that we were, you know, we were on, we were on some good thing. He, he knew straight away, pretty much, that, that was going to be the way. And I think um, they said there's going to be games when when they have like that, and there's going to be games when they don't have as many sacks. But he says that they're they're coming, they're there, they're there, and and if they, if it's they're there to be had, we will get them. It was it was really impressive all all, all over the line as well, Mick. It wasn't just one or two of our defensive ends or defensive linemen getting to, to ginger fud. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was all of them, man. Um, I mean, I, I was reading some stats today. and So um, Fletcher Cox and... Oh, I get this wrong now. Yeah, yeah, Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham are both tied eight for the most sacks in the league. So... The Eagles are the only play, are the only team um, alongside the Dallas Cowboys, ironically, 
to have two players both in the top 10 for sacks. Uh, Graham has uh, Graham has four sacks and Fletcher Cox has, sorry, Fletcher Cox has four sacks. Brandon Graham has 3.75 sacks, which is interesting. Depending on which leaderboard you look at, some of them don't include the 0.75s and the 0.5s. The sack um, orgy at one point. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Josh Wett has stepped up this year. He's got a few sacks. We obviously saw um, Javon Hargrave get in the mix. And Hassan Redick, who you were just talking about, Phil, it was it was it was incredible to see, and something that you can make the argument the Washington offensive line isn't very good, right? And we're going to come up against much better offensive linemen in the center for for Washington was um, pulled out injured last week, so the backup center was in play. But whatever you say, nine sacks, fifty eight yards. Eight tackles for loss, 17 quarterback hits, two forced fumbles, and a fumble recovery. Doesn't matter how bad the offensive line in or, or what kind of excuses you make. That's a, I almost feel bad that we haven't given that a damn right sexy make. Yeah, I mean, you can't, you can't put it all on the defensive line. We've said it before, it's half of those sacks were on Carson just holding the ball too long, stepping up into the pocket, not feeling the pressure, and knowing we know that's Carson. I mean, that was the game plan to begin with, and I really liked how the game plan for Carson to be, to begin with, and, and that was just to confuse him, to put the four-man front up, have that extra man in coverage so that Carson's first option was gone, make him think in the pocket. He thinks for far too long, and what does he do? He holds on to the ball, our, our four-man front, penetrates that offensive line like you said the offensive line isn't great for Washington and they get home and it happened nine times like you said 17 quarterback hits that's outrageous um, and half of that is on Carson himself not just the offensive line and I don't think the offensive line will be very happy with how he performed either um, it, it was just such a, a, a great day out for the for the defense, like yeah, that, like start the applause just now, like that. That was absolutely fantastic to see. Two things on that, though, Mick. Um, that was that's exactly showing that the defense schemed scheme for that. It was another thing that Reddick said in this interview. Is he said that, that taking away their first read was was the game plan for Wentz, and that that just goes to show that at least you know Gannon Ward is. Uh, is, is doing what he needs to do to sort of scheme. Maybe, like I said, Carson Wentz is an, an easy person to scheme for because we could t- we knew what they needed to do, which was do that. So it's not that difficult to see. But I also like hearing you say the word punt. So I wonder if you might want to take us through <laughs> the the first the first half for the Washington offense for us. Just because I said it last week as well. <laughs> yeah, it was it was. Um... A mirror image, wasn't it, for Carson's first half against the Lions as well. So, Washington offense first half. Punt, 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 fumble, punt, punt, punt. <laughs> <laughs> didn't get any of the Eagles. Didn't get any of the Eagles half, you know. Had 50, had 50 yards yeah, offense, 66 rushing, minus 16 passing. Uh, contrast that to the Eagles, 320 two offensive yards accumulative absolutely night and day it was night and day and listen before we get on to the damn right sexy we're going to take a 60 second 60 second break for our sponsor on podcast this podcast is sponsored by passion avenue london's premier philadelphia sports bar 
It is the number one location to watch Eagles games and NFL football this season. I can guarantee you that because I've been there myself a number of times. Not only that, but we are also due to be hosting some kick-ass watch parties for Eagles games during the season. Stay tuned for more on that. But if you are a member of the British and Irish Eagles, you will also receive 20% off your food and drink once a month at Pashung's London locations in Fitzrovia, Waterloo and Stratford. You can sign up via our website www.british-eagles.co.uk Don't wait till the season begins though to take a trip because Passion serves up authentic American eats such as the classic Philly cheesesteaks, buffalo wings and much much more. Follow us both on Twitter at British Eagles and at Passion Avenue. You can also find Passion on Instagram and TikTok. If you are looking for an excuse to wear your Eagles jersey before the season kicks off, then hit them up. Go Birds! And we're back. We are back and it's my favourite time of the podcast where I put on a weird American accent and say, damn right, sex. Uh, I think you've all guessed by now if, if the defence wasn't a damn right sexy, it's pretty clear and obvious that. Slim Reaper, the man himself, also known as Skinny Batman, Devontae Smith, 169 yards, only one touchdown, but 169 yards says a lot. Eight of 12. Him and AJ Brown combined for 550 receiving yards in the first three games of the season. And that just makes me feel all tingly inside. <laughs> and it wasn't just 169 yards, the catches were insane. The catch, which he nearly fell into the end zone, was unreal. Like he's such a slight guy, and the jump he made to get in between the safety and the cornerback to to make that play and, and nearly got a touchdown out of it was just unreal. And that probably wasn't the best catch today either. Um, so Mick, I'll let you take it away for, for that other catch that we're obviously alluding to here. The touchdown catch. Ah, uh, the one down the sideline. Oh, the one down the side. Yeah, there were so many. I don't. I, I I'm not sure what one you're talking about because there were so <laughs> many. Um, Slim Reaper had a game. Uh, first, first week it was AJ Brown. We were worried. Well, some people were worried. I don't think we were worried as a podcast. You had zero, zero catches for four targets and zero yards, and it's like, oh no, what's happened to Devontae Smith in year two? Devontae Smith is just fine. Devontae Smith got his. Devontae Smith is the boy. We drafted him for a reason. He was the Heisman winner, and it shows he knows how to do it all. His route running, his catching ability, the adjustments that he makes in mid-air, and what he's now put into his game, which I think is, is came from the addition of A.G. Brown, having that veteran with him, with the experience, giving him, you know, I mean, t- taking away a lot of the, the coverage as well. So it gives um, Devontae a, a bit more room to work with. As if he needs it, he could get separation in a phone box. So uh, Devontae, absolutely fantastic game. And he made contested catches. That's what I love about him. You look at him and you go, oh, he's slight. We're thinking about before the draft. Like, what, what, what does he weigh about? One, one of four my stone, four stone, one I of think, my yeah. thighs, probably. <laughs> um, but he gets in there and he gets dirty, gets his hands dirty, 
um, and he can make the contested catch. And that's what Jalen has said to him repeatedly during that game against uh, the Washington Commanders. Um, Go up and get it, Smitty. It's yours. You take it. And he did. He grabbed it with both hands. Maybe not both feet on that one over the sideline, but... And maybe not both both hands both times, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely insane, Phil. And just what we wanted to see after that first game of the season, right? Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things where we were worried at the start, then the second game we had a bit more. The, the, the passing is not going to be consistent across the board. We're not going to know who's going to have it. We're going to make the weekly predictions great fun because it really is going to be a, impossible. a crapshoot who's going to be the, the, the leading receiver, which is a nice problem to have. Um, but yeah, those, those catches, unbelievable. I watched it back earlier um, and that one just five yards from the, the end zone. Was just unbelievable. Obviously, winded himself a little bit. Hopefully, that's there's nothing lingering from that. I don't think there is, but obviously, he had his 169 yards all in the first half. I think as well. Um, it was a ridiculous start to look at. I think my jaw did hit the floor. I was like, we've had a not only have we had a convincingly over 100 yard receiver in this game, which doesn't seem to happen an awful lot lately for us. He did it all in the first half. It's unbelievable, and. Um, I think the credit for the for the non-catch or the catch non-catch was it's got to go to to Hertz as well because the, the you know the the common sense that the, the heads the, the switched on ability to kind of go yeah this might not go down this might not this might not stay where it is and, and get off a play pretty quickly it was pretty pretty thanks mate run back like I didn't get my foot he down probably knew he's just like <laughs> um, um, they got that play off so quickly. Yeah, like very good before the, the, before the, the, the video cameras yeah. can even get back, is that we're going to say? Yeah, before, yeah. As I was say before the replay yeah. finished, um, the play was off, and then we didn't even then we then showed the replay of the how close the flag was to be being thrown. But anyway, it, it doesn't yeah. matter. It's you know decisions like that go your way. Now again, so other times they don't. So I'll take it all day long. But yeah, unbelievable uh, performance from from Smith. And I think yeah, like I said, we were we were on and on about whether the defense or Devontae Smith deserved to be the downright sexy. And I think the reason it got shaded was just purely on the fact that what it signifies going forward like in in that kind of game we, we've said it already that as, as impressive as the defensive performance um was it's going to be caveated by the fact that it was once and and it was sort of people everyone was predicting that was going to happen i think maybe takes ever so slightly a little bit of the shine on it whereas smith's sort of performance and the catches and the quality the yardage the performance overall just just shaded it a bit yeah, it was unbelievable. Uh, just just a, a word to the other receivers in the game. AJ Brown had five of ten for eighty-five yards and a touchdown. Dallas Goddard just—he's just the 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 welcome blanket, and he's just the the guy you go to. He's not going to make the plays when you need to as well. Dallas Goddard, and I just I feel like, we, and we haven't even mentioned um, Calcaterra really that much. That forty-yard uh, catch uh, down the sideline and, and run. Uh, Jack Stoll had had a catch as well. Zach Pascal had three of three for 18 yards. Quiz Watkins didn't get any yards in the day, but had those two big BI plays that we spoke about earlier. And it, it's it's hard to not get really, really excited about the weapons that the Eagles have um, for Hertz to throw to. And yeah, it, it, as I said, like it's just making me all tingly inside. Uh, because, you know, that, as you mentioned, Phil, there was that worry there a little bit. Is this just going to be, you know, our Hurts and AJ Brown back close to buddies and he's just going to go to his mate all the time? It's not the case. The Eagles can carve you up in the, in the passing game in four or five different ways. 
and how defenses are going to scheme against that is going to be really interesting in the coming weeks, especially when uh, Doug, when when Doug uh, comes to town and knowing knowing a lot about the Eagles, but a lot has changed since Doug came, came to town for the Eagles. All right, folks, um, let's take a quick look around the NFC East, and there's only one game to look at, and that is the Giants versus the Cowboys. <clears throat> the Giants came in as uh, one of only three teams, uh, four teams to be undefeated uh, this week, and they lost uh, to the Cowboys 23-16. Cooper Rush, 21 of 31 for 215 yards, one touchdown and 98 passer. Rating, I feel like there's maybe a little bit too much hype about Rush at the moment. I don't think the Giants are that good. I think the Giants are terrible. We talked about it, Mickey specifically said on the last podcast of how bad the Giants really are. The Dallas, the Dallas defense obviously stepped up, which we'll talk about in a second. But look, I mean, I'm looking at these last two these last two bullets here on either side, Mick, and one is the Giants are dog shit. <laughs> you know, one is the Cowboys are dog shit, but the defense is still good. That kind of sums it up, doesn't it? You won't hear that kind of analysis on NFL Network, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, I was off work today, so I stayed up for a little bit last night and caught the first, yeah, about the first half of the Giants versus the Cowboys at MetLife. And let me tell you, we don't have anything to worry about with either of those teams. Those teams, like I put in the pod notes that you read out, are dog shit. Although Dallas has a defence, which is which is quite good. Um, as you already alluded, Daniel Jones is not the guy for the Giants. He's a terrible quarterback. They didn't pick up his option. I'm not... They're, they're going to move on, and what they've done so far, they're 2-1, the Giants. I mean, their the schedule has been pretty soft and will be for the rest of the season. And can they play themselves into missing out on one of the top quarterback prospects of 2023 draft? I certainly hope so. Um, they've got I no wide receivers either. Yeah, I was rooting for the Giants to win that game just on that basis alone, um, to keep Dallas down and you know, for the Giants not to get a good pick, and you're, you're dead right. Um, Phil, we spoke about it earlier on that the Giants don't have any wide receivers. Kenny Galladay had an absolute terrible game again. They've lost Sterling Shepard for the season now with an ACL injury. They've got Darius Slayton. That's probably the only guy they've got left. The one Dale Robinson, their, their um, rookie draft pick, he's he's injured still. Kadarius Tony, he's still injured as well. So, Saquon Barkley is trying to carry that whole team on his back and it's not going well. And I actually feel really sorry for Saquon because I think he's an excellent player. He's just on the wrong team. Yeah, completely agree. I mean, Phil, anything to add to that? I really rate Saquon Barkley. Uh, before I made my switch uh, over to uh, Notre Dame, Fighting Irish, I you know, was a, a very passing Penn State fan. And obviously Saquon came out of Penn State a few years back and those first two years in the NFL, he was unbelievable until he got injured, of course. And I feel for him as well. The, the, I keep coming back to this point again. The Giants are dog shit. And I really, really hope that you're right and they do play themselves out of one of the top prospects. Or at the very least, they have to give up the house in terms of future draft picks to, to secure one. Um, the probably put up more points at this point than Daniel Jones has. It's fucking unbelievable. 
he's got he had three field goals out four so yeah he had 12 of the uh, uh sorry he had uh, nine of the, the 16 points that Dallas that Dallas scored as, as far um, as I, as far as I'm concerned, the the, the Giants just if, if Saquon Barkley is the only thing to worry about, he's a beast and and he's a difficult player. But if that's the only thing that they've got, really got a game plan for, I'll take that all day long. Keep him quiet. Keep them keep them out of field goal range. Keep Saquon Barkley quiet, and they won't pay. They won't put up any points. <laughs> I don't think there's much more to say about that game to be honest with you they're, they're both terrible and unless it changes we're probably not going to talk about them an awful lot and long yeah. may it continue that they're both terrible and the only thing is, is that, that, that Dallas defence like you said like we had nine sacks on Wentz in that game and they had nine sacks on Daniel Jones in that game um, coming up big 11 quarterback hits six tackles for loss um, Demarcus Lawrence on his own had three sacks, three quarterback hits, three tackles for loss. So whilst Dallas aren't doing that great and they're still awaiting the return of Dak, um, who knows how that will go? And they're still losing weapons. I think Schultz was inactive for that game as well. CD Lamb hasn't been the the wide receiver one that they hoped he would be so far. Um, I think they're really missing Amari Cooper. Gallup is still out at this point, so. They're missing quite no, a few weapons. No, Brown, and, and can we just no, slightly talk? Sorry, mate. Um, can we just slightly talk about Jason Peters and that offensive line? <laughs> but horrible. Hate it. Hate everything about it. He's been elevated as an 53 man squad this week. Yeah, he was right? playing. He, he was at guard last night. He was playing at guard last night. Yeah. Okay. Okay. How did you do? Did you Did you notice him? He was okay. Yeah. He, well. Okay. Noticeable, like I don't, I think he's pretty much his career's over at tackle at this point, and shifting him into guard is probably a good idea. Um, and that allowed uh, Zeke Elliott and Tony Ford. I think Tony Ford had over 100 yards in this game. Um, so they, they got some big chunk plays out of um, out of the run game, and Jason Peters was, was a good part of that, which absolutely hate to see that. Hate to see that. I think Pollard's the better, the better ring back now than Ezekiel Elliott, personally. He's quick, Pollard. When he gets into space, he's rapid. Maybe don't put him a wide receiver. <laughs> Maybe he really opts for a wide receiver. Noah Brown, I was going to say, has played okay in the last the last few games for Dallas. But, yeah, they're missing Amara Cooper uh, big time. And are they missing Dak? I'm not sure they are. I mean, I'm not seeing a big difference between Cooper Rush and Dak Prescott so far this year. You've seen what uh, Jerry Jones has been saying on, on Twitter. He's welcoming a quarterback controversy between the two players. And if Cooper rushes, honestly, he said if Cooper rushes is going to be playing to this level, then Dak won't be the starter. Imagine did he say that? No, he Imagine didn't Jerry say that. did say that, yeah. No. <laughs> Telling you, he did. Oh, he might not have said it in those words, but the way he phrased it was very clear that he said, I would walk all the way to New York City barefoot or words to, words to that effect, if Cooper Rush um, um, was in the contention to be the starting quarterback when that came back. The same guy that paid, like, ridiculous amount of money. I mean, it's Jerry Jones, so, you know, take whatever you want with a pinch of salt. But, um, so if he's sniffing his jog strap or something, that's horrendous. <laughs> what a horrendous take. Yeah, it is. And from your owner? Like, if you think that, keep that in, keep that in your head. <laughs> Don't, don't, don't televise it on national TV, international TV. Um, oh, dear. Anything to add, Phil? 
No, not 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 at all. I I, I think I'm, I'm probably on your side a little bit, Liam. Is that I feel like there is a bit of overhype. He's definitely done really well, and it's not going to be as a case of um, it's not going to be a simple case of that coming back in um, straight away. But like like Nick said, they're dog shit just with a good defense. Dallas sucks, baby. All right, let's have a little look towards the weekend game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I tell you what, preseason, we were all saying that we wouldn't mind WP doing relatively well this year and turning around. And you look at all of their prominent fans, reporters, commentators on Twitter. They don't want they don't want him to be booed when he when he comes to town. And I'm kind of on board with that a little bit to a certain extent, to a certain level. I don't want to be, you know, let's let's beat them comfortably and I'll be happy. Don't want to give him too much respect. But it's fair to say that, you know, he's he's done an incredible job so far since he's joined the Jaguars, given their history, which is absolutely horrendous in the last eight years. And they're doing pretty well at the moment. I mean, they are tied first in the NFL for sacks allowed. So their offensive line is standing up pretty well. They're tied first, best in perceptions. They have six. They're the best turnover differential in the NFL, which is plus seven. The Eagles are tied third, a plus four. And they're tied fourth in the NFL for points allowed per game. It's only 12.7 points they've allowed per game. I mean, the Eagles are going to score more than 12.7 points against Jacksonville Jaguars. So that stat line is going to change after this week. And, you know, they're coming up against probably one of the best offenses in the league at the moment, the Eagles. And I think even as a even as a homer myself and you know, being very positive at Eagles, I don't feel like I'm overstating that <clears throat> that analogy at the moment. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. Um, Phil, what are you what are you looking out for this week, Phil, against against Jags? Is there anything in terms of matchups that you're worried about? Is there anything you're looking forward to seeing? How do you how do you think Doug's going to do coming back to town, seeing his statue, the link? What are your thoughts? Well, first off, I I. I'd be really surprised if he was booed because there's nothing to boo him before. He didn't force his way out. He just got let go, it fizzled out. But all the good he did will far outweigh that. And I think the Eagles fans, in contrast to to any other person that's left the franchise lately, I just, I just don't see what you could boo him for. It's, so I'm not worried about that. I'd be very surprised. But in terms of the game itself, it's... I wasn't worried until they beat the Chargers. And I'm not saying I'm wor- definitely 100% biting all my nails off at the, at, the, at the moment. But, you know, the Jags are definitely a better team under under Doug and that. And the, the performance against the Chargers definitely. And the stats, you just read out how how high they are in, in um, well, first for sacks and interceptions is, um, is not to be sniffed at. So I think maybe the Eagles will definitely be going into it with a, with a, res- with a renewed sense of caution. Like especially coming off such a massive game against Washington, I think just go into it, back yourself, don't do anything stupid, don't take anything for granted, and and we'll come out the other side with with a with a fairly convincing win still. I think. Yeah, I I, I agree with nearly everything you said there, and and Mick just bringing you in when you look at their their ground game, uh, or, or sorry, the the their defensive ground game, the defensive rushing game. It's going to be a test for the Eagles. Uh, not that I'm worried about that, given how well they've done through the air, but they've added a lot of depth to their to their defensive line, to their defensive um, 
linebacker room something you'll be looking at closely when we when we suit up against the Jags this weekend? Yeah, well, uh, I reached out to one of our Jags fan friends, Ross Jags. Shout out to him. I doubt you'll listen to the podcast, but shout out to him, who is also a, a Heart of Mudlodium fan for his, his woes. He supports two of the worst teams possible, I think. But, <laughs> <laughs> but what he was saying, you know, the, the, the DVOA has ranked the Jags in the top five on offense and defense. Uh, and they're doing pretty well. I'm looking at the, the power rankings as well. The Athletic had the Jags in the top 10. Is that a, is that a reach? I think that probably is a bit of a reach. But they just feels show like a reach. Who, like the, feels like a reach on, to me. Yeah, yeah I don't think they're sustaining it. Form. You know, like, I mean, they shut out the Colts. I know the Colts aren't the greatest team, but the Colts just beat the Chiefs at the weekend. Yeah, um, they held Jonathan Taylor to, what was it, 55, uh, 54 yards? They held Jonathan Taylor to the number one overall fantasy running back that you probably all wished that you had on your team. I bet you didn't wish you had them on your team when the Jags played the Colts week two. Um, the Chargers, they held them to 27 yards on the ground. Austin Eckler couldn't get anything going. Um, and you know, I think, I think against Washington, Regal struggled on the ground game as well. I think we tried to see out the game on the ground. And it wasn't quite happening. I think the most explosive play we had on the ground against Washington was that one where we started after the month punt, as it were, and we started from our own was it four yard line or something like that. And Sanders had a massive breakthrough and and got us out of trouble in that area. But apart from that, there wasn't many chunk plays on the ground, so it's definitely there was a none. Match. There was yeah. none, Nick. Like. It, it, we averaged, even with that big splash play, we averaged 2.4 yards per attempt on the ground. Yeah, so Washington like, Washington were there to like stuff the run, and it's, it's something that the Jaguars will, will be looking at doing as well. I mean, their nose tackle, Dallin Hamilton, is an absolute beast in the ground game, and he will be eating up the runners as much as possible. Devin Lloyd, they brought in at the back end of the first round in the 2022 draft, uh, out of Utah, who was one of the guys that we were looking at because we were like, you know, he was, yeah. You got the Eagles need a linebacker. It was between Devin Lloyd and Nicole Dean. We ended up stealing Nicole Dean in the third round. Um, but Devin Lloyd has been playing out of skin. Talking to my Jags friend, he says he could be defensive player of the year the way he's performing just now. Ooh. I haven't watched a lot of Jags rookie, football. Rookie, rookie yeah, defensive yeah, sorry. player, sure. Rookie, yeah, rookie yeah. defensive player of the year. I haven't watched yeah. a lot of Jags football, but. I mean, that's that's high praise, high praise indeed, you know. And they've got the number one overall pick as well, Trevor Walker at defensive end, who's looked the real deal so far. He's had um, an interception, I think, so far. And the, the Jags have got a lot going for them defensively just now, so it should be a good test. And, and, you know, let's not be complacent in this game. We can't take anything for granted. Say the Jags, you know, the worst team in the NFL for the last two years running. They've had the number one overall pick the last two years. What did they do? They took the franchise quarterback and Trevor Lawrence, and then he showed up the defense with the edge rusher, Trayvon Walker. So they've got pieces. It's a young team that are still trying to gel together, and it, it, it shouldn't be something the Eagles take for granted. And I hope, I really hope um, that the game plan is suitable for you know trying to disrupt um, Trevor Lawrence as much as possible, especially because he's, he's he's still a young quarterback. He's only in his second second year, um, 
so trying to confuse him as much as possible, I think, with um, disguised coverages and things like that. I think that's what we should be looking at doing, or what Jonathan Gannon should be looking at doing, possibly playing that four-man front again and trying to get as much pressure on him as possible. He can use his legs, but um, possibly more than any of the quarterbacks we've faced so far. I mean, what have we looked at? We've looked at Goff, we've looked at Kirk Cousins, we've looked at Carson Wentz. None of them are runners. I'm not real runners. I mean, Trevor Lawrence isn't the, the biggest runner either, but he's still more mobile than the rest of them. So um, another one for Jonathan Gannett to look out for. It's, it's going to be a really interesting game. I'm, I don't know if you can tell. I've been going on for that long about it, but I'm really looking forward to this game on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> now, me, me too. And, and Phil, uh, I, can't add, I can't add much to all Mick said just there. Um but what I can't what I what I can add is yes, the offensive line has been good at stopping the sacks, as we mentioned, best in the league. But they're ranked 26 or 32 in P- PFFs online rankings. And Mickey talked about the def- the defensive line, defensive edge, the pass rush is getting to the quarterback to cause that confusion. I think that'll be really important. But even if they don't, Kirk. Uh, Christian Kirk and Zay Jones are are okay wide receivers. They don't stand out on a page as wide receiver one or wide receiver one A when you look at AJ Brown and Devontae Smith. You know, and they've they've picked up a bit of rapport with Trevor Lawrence so far, but they're no match for the secondary. They're no match for what our secondary has done so far this year, especially Bradbury, um, breaking up plays and uh, uh, you know and, and big play slail bringing in interception. I think Maddox has had a really good start to the year as well in the secondary. Um, and Kazir White and linebackers had, had a good start. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm failing to feel worried about the Jags passing game. And I'm feeling very confident about our defense getting to Trevor Lawrence. They've got a couple of pieces in Travis Etienne and um, Robinson, is it? Um, at running back, who I picked up in fantasy last year. He was a six-round pick, and he's kind of blown out of the water all projections Robinson was going to have. And he's had a good start to the year this year. And Travis Etienne was obviously injured last year in his rookie year, and has come back this year, and has looked okay. Um, they could make a splash. You know, the Eagles have been good against the, the rush so far this year, but there could be some leaks that I can see happening there, especially given our defensive pass rush and their offensive line. But I'm 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 clutching at straws a little bit here. Uh, and as much as the Jags have done well so far, I don't know about you, Phil, but I can't see anything past an Eagles win and a convincing one. Yeah, I, not really much more to add. I'll just reiterate, like I said, um, just don't take anything for granted. Don't do anything stupid. Don't overthink it. Just carry on as you were the Eagles are on an upward trajectory with their the way that they're playing right now and I think things are clicking more and more each each game they've you know they've got a long slightly longer week this week to sort of prepare get healthy be interested to see what the injury report is this week it's probably my biggest concern just because a couple of players did limp off Goddard was off the field say was off the field for periods not nothing nothing by the sounds of it too serious but I suspect they'll appear as limited practice um, maybe on, on the one that's come out I don't know if it's come out yet today um, the first one of the week but that'll probably be the only area that will start to get me worried if we're, if we're all fully healthy again when we go into the, go into Sunday I, I, I think it will just go the way we expect um, for the most part 
yeah, an injury report I think comes out a couple of hours after we report after we record, which is a little bit annoying. <laughs> um, but yeah, likewise, hopefully they um hopefully hopefully they they're just kind of you know flesh or muscle you know injury, not actual tears you know what I mean like physical injuries rather than um rather than internal injuries to to the flesh and the bones. I haven't described that very well, but I hope you know what I mean. <laughs> um. All right, cool. That is good. I'm looking forward to seeing how we fronted against the Jaguars this weekend and the Eagles potentially going 4-0. Uh, one interesting thing to note of um, of all the teams in the National Football League, the Eagles have are the only team in the National Football League who are favourites for every game between now and the end of the season. And we're 3-0. And we're number oh. one in the power rankings and number one in the NFC as well. Uh, so, What's the line on this game? Seven? Seven. Mm. Yeah. You take the Eagles to cover on the seven? I mean, I've just said they're going to win convincingly, but now I'm, I'm hearing seven points and I'm like, oh, no, maybe the five or six. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think it depends how many, how, many, how many points are scored in the game. I think if it's a, you know, we've had massively high scoring games every single game we've played so far. Um, oh, but the 24 8, I suppose, is, is a huge high scoring game, but the other two certainly were. I feel like if the Eagles score, if Eagles score more than 28 points, then we'll easily cover it. I think if it's if it's if it's less than that, then I think maybe perhaps it's it's a little bit of a tired game. Yeah, and it's um, in the link as well, so let's not forget that. You know, we have the home crowd advantage, even though the Washington game felt about a little bit like a home game with the with the crowd there. And shout out to the guy in our British and Irish Eagles group chat who was at the game and was sending us some. Uh, photographs and videos from from the FedEx field. That was pretty cool. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so last part of the podcast. And now to well, I've already said uh, my the good, the bad, and downright section of my favorite part of the podcast. So maybe this is my second favorite part of the podcast. And that is the predictions against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Welcoming Doug Peterson back to the link to go and kiss his statue outside the link, maybe rub the nose of Nick Foles as he goes his way past. So let's, without for any further ado, get into it. And Phil, I'm going to come to you first. First touchdown scorer for the Birds. Going with Jalen Hurts this week. Um, I feel like they'll have to go a little bit back, change the change, mix it up a little bit. Um, and he, yeah, just a Russian touchdown from him. Simple as that. Russian touchdown from Jalen Hurts. Mick, is Hurts going to be your guy as well? Um, I'll go for AJ Brown this week. Why not? It's just a pickle at this point. It's crazy. It really is. <laughs> AJ Brown sauce. Uh, first touchdown. Ooh. I'm going to go for Kenneth Gamewell. Wow. Considering you're so down on him as well. I am, but they do play him in that kind of third down role sometimes, and mm-hmm. I can see him getting a touchdown against the, the Jags. Phil, most receiving yards? Again, like Mick said, it's a bit of a pick. I'm just going to go AJ Brown this week. I, I feel like it's his turn now. Can't fall that. Mick? Dallas breakout game. Go that. Ooh. Bucket. Bucket here first, folks. Dallas got a breakout game. I love that tight end screen for the first touchdown last week. Absolutely fantastic. That was nice. I'm going to go with Phil. I think it's it's AJ Brown's turn. That's kind of just the way I feel like. 
you know, I, I, yeah, I'd love it if Dallas got up was the, the top receiving, uh, had the top receiving yards in the game, but I feel like um, we're going to get a reminder of AJ Brown's prowess this weekend after some big games for Demonte Smith. So AJ Brown for me. Total rushing yards, Phil? Uh, yeah, it was a very quiet show in this week, and I feel like they're like we've read out the stats for the Jaguars. They're, they're naming me pushovers on the on the rushing defense front. So it's I think it's gonna be I'm gonna go over 100 yards and just just a little bit. So 110 yards for the Eagles rushing this week. That will be the lowest. Oh well, no, apart from the game we just had. Sorry, of course, uh, but um, significantly lower in the first two weeks. But um, that will be higher than this week just gone by. If I'm I'm thinking, yeah, 72 yards. <laughs> yeah, 72 yards this week, which was <laughs> surprising. Um, air raid offense. Fuck it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Jags only allowed 55. Less. Um, I'm kind of with Phil. I think I'll go for 125. Oh, oh. Just to cover him, just to cover him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's more, it's a bit more. I think the Eagles are going to blow it out of the water and go for 225 yards on the ground and smash any conception about the Jaguars' run defense this week. Jeez, and again, bro. and again, this will probably just make sure I then lose the poll vote again for predictions as I do every week because I've always got one of these in there. But give me 225 yards total rushing. I'll I'll take that. Number six, Phil. 25. <laughs> not Carson Wentz or play. <laughs> no, I wish. I wish I could come, it would come true. No, I think it'll be going back down to a modest, more modest total about three. Uh, I think they, I think they've, they've got a taste for it now. So I don't think I can go low as one or two. I think they'll get three. I think they might even get more to be honest. But I think let's 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 not get ahead of ourselves. I think three is three is a fair shout. Mick, yeah, I'll go along with three as well. Thought it'd be boring Try on that. Preserve show, your but, lead, yeah. aren't you? Yes. Three sacks. Well, you're giving me an option there, right? You, it, it's literally it's above or below, isn't it? Go so, higher or lower. Where do you want to go? Higher or lower? Uh, higher or lower in a three, higher or lower in a three. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride this bandwagon. I think all these stats we read out about the Jags so far. I think the Eagles are gonna do I'm not gonna beat up on them. I'm gonna go five sacks for the birds. Five. Which would be over double the sacks they've conceded all season so far. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, Phil, outside of the box from you, sir, are you going to bench Trevor Lawrence in quarter four like <laughs> last week? No, I, I thought about similar. I was like, Dougie P is going to stick on an Eagles jersey halfway through the game or something. <laughs> um, no, I'm outside the box this week. I'm going with all the top four Eagles wide receivers will get a touchdown. This oh, week. wow, that is good. So we're going... And that, that's all-purpose touchdowns, so if one of them rushes in, it still counts. Did you say all four wide receivers or all four top-receiving core? Top-receiving, so... Yeah. We've got Quezrockin, Smith, Brown, and Goddard. All right, I like that. I like that a lot. I'd like to see that as well. Nicholas? Nearly had it in the last game, didn't we? AJ Smith and Goddard all had touchdowns and... Against Washington. Yeah, I'm thinking Quez won't get those PIs. He'll catch one and he'll, he'll get in as well. Quez is going to get one this week. Um, I keep going for braces because I keep... Quez in my pants. I'm not being able to think of anything. Um, I'm going to go for 
uh, Gardner Minshew to get a snap because the game is put away and we don't need to play hard. <laughs> and... It's a good one. It's a good one. So Gardner oh, Minshew to get a snap. And not because of injury. Just put just put him down. Gardner Minshew. That's not right. Get a snap. I like that as well. Okay, I am going to go for... I'm going to go for Jalen Hurts to have over 100 yards rushing. Two rushing touchdowns and two passing touchdowns. And the stats on fantasy football will have been broken <laughs> if and when he does that. So Jalen Hurts, over 100 yards rushing, two rushing touchdowns. I'm asking a lot here. Two rushing touchdowns. And I'm going to go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say one, 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 one passing touchdown. I think that's too much to ask for us. One passing touchdown. So, yeah, okay. Phil, uh, final score. 35-17, Eagles. So you have them covering the spread then, nice. Yeah, baby. Mick? 42-10. Oh, Jesus Christ. I have to go high because of the Minshew shirt, so. <laughs> yeah, I know, I've got 225 yards of rushing. I've got Jaden over 105 sacks. <laughs> Dude, that's about yeah, I'm the same. I've got to go. I've got to go relatively high on this as well. I'm going to go 33 to 26. Oh, close game. Ish. Closer. One score game. One score game. Exactly. All right, good stuff. So uh, just to round up there, Phil has Hurts as the first touchdown score. AJ Brown is most receiving yards. Total rushing yards, a small... 110 yards, three sacks, bringing it down from the nine we had last week. Four of the top receivers, i.e. Quez Watkins, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown, and Dallas Carter, all to have a receiving touchdown. And final score, 35 to 17. Like it, Mick has A.J. Brown sauce as the first touchdown score. Dallas got our most receiving yards, a breakout game this season for Dallas. Total rushing yards, 120. Number of sacks, three. And Gardner Minshew to take a snap and not Importantly, because of injury, that might come back to bite you. Uh, final score, 42 to 10 for Mick and Dapolis. And myself, I have Gainwell as the first touchdown, which I already don't feel confident about. AJ Brown, most receiving yards like uh, Phil LaFence. A outrageous 225 rushing yards for a team that hasn't really allowed any this year. Five sacks against a team that hasn't allowed any this year. Taylor Hurts go over 100 rushing yards. Two touchdowns on the ground and one through the air. And a tighter game, which will have final score 33 to the Eagles and 26 to the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll be posting this up on Twitter in the next few days for you to vote who you think is most likely to win. And I know we promised on the last podcast, but on the next podcast, we'll do a tally count of where we all are in our predictions so far this year. That leaves me with only one thing to do, and that is to thank Mick. That's to thank you, Phil. Thanks for joining me from different parts of the world. We have been the next man of podcast. We are the British and Irish Eagles. And of course, we love you.